The closer that we get to Christmas, the more certain feelings come. I don't know about you, but there are all kinds of things that I feel. There's feelings of excitement and joy and, and anticipation and I can't wait and hurry up and get here. And at the same time, there's also other feelings of sadness uh, because of people who won't be there with us this Christmas. Or anxiety because of all the stuff and this rushedness of Christmas where you're just in this hurry and rush and hurry. It's overwhelming at times. There are all kinds of things that we feel at Christmas. In this series, what we want to see from God's Word and what I pray that God gives to you through His Word are, are different things, things like joy. This overwhelming sense of thankfulness and gratitude and, and rejoicing because of who God is and, and where he is with you in your life. That, uh, I pray that we pray that God would give you hope, this expectation, this sitting on the edge of your seat, waiting for Jesus to come back, waiting to see what God's gonna do. Uh, we pray that God would give you patience. Patience is to suffer for a really long time. And I know that doesn't sound like a fun idea, but, but as we wait for Jesus, it is going to be, maybe it's very short or maybe it's very long. To Jesus, it's all short. We pray that God may work patience in you. And then also confidence that even while you wait, even while we wait, hopefully and joyfully and patiently, we do so with, a, with confidence because of what God has done for us in, in the coming of his son, Jesus. Today, today we, 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 I pray that we pray that God would give you joy. We'll learn from Paul in his letter to the Philippians. So please listen to God's word, Philippians chapter four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts. That's a promise. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of our God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for coming close to us through your word. We thank you for coming close to us through your spirit. We thank you for coming close to us in your birth. And now we pray, I pray, let the words of my mouth, we pray, let the meditation of our hearts, let it all be pleasing in your sight. God, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Her, her heart was full that Christmas. Everyone from her family was home. Everybody was sitting there in the living room. This wasn't the way it always was. That's why she was so glad that everybody was home. She had a daughter who was married off and living in some other part of the country. She had kids in college and high school. They were scattered around, and it was a very rare thing when they enjoyed family vacations or, or family time, all of them together. And so as she sat with her family that Christmas and stared at her husband and all of her children and coming grandchildren around in, the, in their living room, her heart was full because everybody was there. 
because everybody was close. It's, it's good to be close to the people that we love. The young child was, he was scared of the dark. It was kind of this natural thing. Every time he went to bed, he needed a noisemaker and he needed a little bit of a, a light in the corner of his room to let him know that it wasn't totally dark, that he wasn't left on his own. And he had figured out how to kind of make it work and fall asleep peacefully and calmly as his parents put him to bed every night. But he was still afraid of the dark. And it only got worse when the thunder started crashing and the lightning started flashing. And all he could do in his, this desperate moment as fear overtook him, anxiety overwhelmed him, all he could do is cry out for dad. All he could do is cry out for mom. He was frantic and terrified. They could hear it in his voice. But then as he listened beyond the crashing thunder, he heard his dad's feet hit the floor upstairs. And he heard the creak of the stairs as his dad made his way down the stairs and he knew that help was coming. And all he had to do was look into the doorway and see the shadow of his dad standing there and he knew that everything was going to be okay. Because even though it was dark, even though it was scary, dad was there. And mom wasn't far away. He was close to the people he loved. It's good to be close. She was just happy to be with her friend. After all the loss, after all the hardship, after all the difficulty, she just was happy to sit there with her friend. They had just been sitting in the same space for a couple of hours now, neither of them saying much at all. But after all that she had been through, it was nice just to know that somebody who loved her was there with her and wasn't going to leave. It's good to be close and have people who love us to be close with us. I've, I've tried not to tell specific stories, but as I've shared some of these narratives with you over the last couple of minutes, I, I have in my mind people who are going through or living through or have lived through certain things that are like this. As we make our way through lives, our lives, there are moments when we're overwhelmed. Moments when separation from people we love is a lot. To send to see our kids across the country is hard. This hasn't happened to me yet, but I'm sure it's coming. It's good to be close. Because when you're close with people who love you and people who care about you, there's, there's joy and there's peace. It's really good to be close. But if we turn that phrase around, it's, it's hard to be far. It's hard to be distant. It's hard to be away from people who love us and care about us. And we could talk about this in a number of different ways, couldn't we? We could talk about distance that's simply measured by miles. I could talk about my own family, my brothers and sisters and I. My, my parents live in Matamidi, Minnesota, which is just outside the Twin Cities. One of my sisters lives with them. One of my sisters lives in their back, practically in her backyard, but the rest of us are scattered from co literally coast to coast. 
I have a brother in New York City, and I have a brother in Tigard, Oregon, near Portland. I have a sister in Colorado and a brother in Mankato, Minnesota. It's a rare thing when all of us, it's probably once every couple of years when all of us are together. There's this distance that happens simply because of space. But there's also a distance that happens relationally. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. You know how that happens when when you're new to a place? When you're new to a group of people and everybody else seems to know each other, but you don't know them yet, and so you walk into the room and you feel you're surrounded by people that you don't even know? Maybe you're a guest with us today and you're like, all these, other, all these people are talking to each other and they seem to know each other, but I don't know anybody here, so you can be in a room full of people and still know no one. There's a distance that happens relationally, and if you're a guest, we, we want to we do all we can to help you feel welcome here. But there's also a relational distance that happens because of sin. And I don't think I'm the only one, nor are you the only people who have felt such a thing. When someone's done something to you and, you and you've done something to them, or maybe it's an either or, usually it's never an either or, it's usually a both and. Sin goes both ways. But what happens after that sin, even when there's forgiveness and reconciliation, there's still sometimes a loss of trust. There's still sometimes an awkwardness. See, there's a distance that happens relationally, and, and the more important one is the spiritual separation. The, the spiritual separation that happens between you and God because of sin. You know, in Isaiah, God speaks to his people about their sins, and God says, your sins have hidden my face from you. It's the opposite of the blessing we hear at the end of the service, where at the end of the service, God says he turns his face toward us in blessing. Because of sin, God turns his face away from us and doesn't hear us. There's a spiritual separation that happens between us and God, and sometimes we feel that even when the separation doesn't exist. The psalmist, you read some of the psalms, Psalm 40 is one of them, where where there seems to be a little bit of emptiness and dryness and a feeling of separation from the Lord. It's hard to be apart from people. It's harder, harder to be apart from God because then what happens when we have stuff to deal with? Then what happens when there are things to handle, burdens to carry, problems to solve, sins to pay for? If we're all by ourselves, if we're separated from the people who can walk with us, if we're separated from the God who can save us, then there's only, this is why it's hard, because then there's only anxiety and stress. Because if we're isolated and all by ourselves, then we're all on our own. But did you notice that what Paul says to us today, who are anxious and stressful, stressed? He, he doesn't just tell us that we should, he says to do it. He, he practically commands us to do it. Let me read it to you. This is a command, an exhortation. He says, rejoice. He's telling us to do it. Rejoice in the Lord 
always, all the time, I will say it just so you, in case you missed it, rejoice. I'll say it again. Later on, he says another command, do not be anxious about anything. Anxiety is caring, but caring too much. Worrying. It, we have to be concerned about stuff. But it's taking the, the worry and the concern and saying, I've got to carry this. Paul is telling us that we shouldn't have that. Paul is telling us that, that we should be full of joy, and yet, I'm not. I mean, look at the wrinkles in your forehead. It tells of a life of worry. Feel, feel the tension in your shoulders. It tells of stress that you're carrying in your body. The, the sleepless nights when you just can't turn it off. We have so much more than nothing, and yet we worry and are anxious. And, and Paul, here's Paul. I want you to get the context of the Philippians. Here, Paul, he has so much less than everything. He's in prison when he writes this. He's separated from the people who could support him. And here he writes Philippians, which is a letter of joy. He has so much less than everything, and yet he's praising God and telling us to do the same. We have so much more than nothing, and here we are carrying around the burdens of the world on our shoulders. What's wrong with us? I want you to notice something about this little section of Philippians. Whenever people read it, probably not all the time, but maybe most of the time, whenever we read a verse like this, whenever most people read a verse like this, we focus on the exhortations, like the do this, the do this parts, right? The, the verses everybody quotes are, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. These are the th this is the way Christians should be. We, we focus on the don't be anxious about everything, and then we say, oh, but I am. But in everything, with prayer and petition, pre present your request to God. Right? We, we focus on the, the exhortation and the command, but I want you to notice what's between it. There's a statement of fact between the two commands. And the statement of fact is this. The Lord is near. In other words, the Lord is close. The Lord is close to you in every step of your path. It's, it's parallel to the promise Jesus makes, isn't it? I will be with you always to the very end of the age. It's parallel to the Psalms. The Lord is close to the afflicted and the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. The Lord is near also in his coming back. The Lord is near and always nearer. Let me show, share with you four things and I'll do this briefly. First of all, in prayer, do you see what God invites us to do? He invites us to close the gap. 
Not that there was ever really a gap, but in a, in, a, in, a, in a mental way, in an imaginative way, can you think about prayer this way, that in prayer, God invites you to get close. What, is the, what, is, what does Peter say? Cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. We're like care hogs, like we like to keep it for ourselves. We don't like to burden anybody else with it. But what does God say? Or we say God doesn't care about those kinds of things. But what does Peter say? What do the scriptures say? Bring it to the Lord. In prayer, Jesus invites us into his most holy presence and says, tell me about it. Ask me about it. Cast all your cares on me. Take that, that anxiety off your shoulders and take it off your plate and put it on my plate. Yes, there is stuff for us to think about and care about, but it's not ours to handle. So in prayer, God invites us to close the gap, but more importantly than our approach to him is the simple fact that our Savior Jesus, he's already closed the gap. in two really important ways. First, by becoming like us. That's what John 1's all about, isn't it? It's about God who was above and beyond and separate from and holy and mighty and powerful. It's about God saying, I'm going to become like you. I'm going to share your humanity and even take your sin from you. So intimate is Jesus' union with us when he becomes flesh. So close is the gap between Jesus and you that your, your sin becomes his and his righteousness becomes yours. It's like a marriage where everything is shared. Except in this marriage, it only goes one way. Your sin goes to him and his righteousness goes to you. He closed the gap took your sin, gave you righteousness. Secondly, he died on the cross for your sins. Those sins that he took from you, he died for them so that there's no more penalty for sin. There's no more gap between you and God. No longer does God turn his face away from you and refuse to hear you, but because of the death of Jesus, he turns his face toward you and tunes his ear to your cry. He already has closed the gap. And he still does. Still does. It's present tense. Present tense. Can, can we change the verb that we use for baptism, for your baptism? Instead of talking about I was baptized, can you say I am? Present tense. Past tense baptism, present tense reality. I am baptized into Christ. God has closed the gap. He has adapted me into my family. Present tense, still true. Can you see the table as not only you approaching God, but God approaching you through, through wine and bread? God coming to serve you with water, word. Can you, can you see can you hear in a sermon and in the absolution in just a minute, can you hear God saying to you, I forgive you. 
And can you begin to see in the church, the rest of the people sitting with you in the church that's bigger than us, can you see in the encouragement and the brothers and sisters who walk with you through life, can you see, can you see Jesus? If we, 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 we look at this from one perspective that the things that we do for other people is like we're serving Jesus, but what if other people are serving us? It's the church. It's Jesus through the church serving us. It's still, it's present tense. He has and he, and he will. Past, present, future. Paul says it this way, right now we're, a, we're at home in the body, but away from the Lord. So there is an, this already not yet kind of dichotomy that we have going on. One day we, we will be forever and fully at home with the Lord. He will come for us and gather us, and we will then see him face to face and live with him in his presence. These are the gifts of our Lord. Dear people of God, it's, it's good to be close. It's good to be close with our family and our friends. It, it's good to be close because when you're in the presence and you're with the people that you know and love, there's, there's contentment and safety and security and value. But there's more than that when we're close to and with our Savior, Jesus. He's present with us through water, word, and wine. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And He will keep on Keep on coming to us in all of those ways and we'll never leave our side until he gathers us all in. It's good to be close to him. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.